welcome to the Redeemer 20 Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. continuing our study in the gospel of john so if you would please pray with me let's invite god to come and teach us tonight father we are completely dependent on you we need you for our our breath and life each day lord all that we have all that we need comes from your word it is sufficient for life and godliness and that is the reason why we take it out and we open it up and we read it, and we study it, and we apply our hearts to it. And so, God, as we lean in, would you meet us? Would you meet us here tonight? Would you encourage our hearts with your love out of John 3 tonight? Amen. All right. Uh, why don't you please turn in your Bibles with me, if you have your Bible, to John 3. And tonight's a special night because we have come to the section in John I like to call this the goat verse. Anybody know what goat means? Other than the animal that you would have in your yard if you were a farmer. Um, It means the greatest of all time. And John 3.16 is one of the greatest verses of all time. Uh, It's one of the most famous verses out there. Um, It's one of the most Googled verses. It's one of the most preached verses um, in the Bible. And this is the section we come to tonight. So we'll be looking at verse 16 to 21. Um, And this is also the hope verse. So it's the goat verse and it's the hope verse. um, Because this is the essence of the Christian faith. Right? This is our hope. We got up today with the hope of the gospel. With the hope of Christ. With the hope that matters. With the hope that counts. And the world got up this morning with no hope. They were pursuing after empty things. And John 3.16 is our hope as Christians. And it's, it packs into such a punch. And so that's what we're going to read. So if you're there with me, say I'm there. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in this name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment or the verdict. The light has come into the world, Jesus Christ, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. My sermon title tonight is God's Incredible Love for the World. God's incredible love 
for the world is my sermon title. My first point is incredible love. You just write it down. Incredible love. Verse, right out of verse 16. For God so loved the world. And the world here is talking about um, all of us. But also the system of evil uh, and the way of sin. Um, and it's not saying that God loves sin. It's not saying that God loves wickedness. It's saying that God loves the world. He wants to save the world. Um, he, he loves the world with this world, word agapao. It's the Greek word. Can, it, can we all say agapao? Agapao. It sounds like something, you know, you know, agapao. And agapao is the Greek word. It means sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Um, God loves the world in a sacrificial way. You know, in 1 John 2, it says that we're not to love the world, right? As Christians, it says, do not love the world or the things of this world. Um, what John is saying is we, as Christians, shouldn't participate with the world. We're not to participate in the evil way of the world. So we're not to love the world in that way. But God doesn't love the world um, with the love of affirmation or participation. He loves the world with, with um, redemption, the love of redemption. Because God is saying to the world, I love you too much to let you keep going. I love you too much to leave you in your brokenness. I think uh, everyone in Rockford at this moment would probably agree with this statement. And you could nod your head if you agree with this. The world is broken. I think everyone could agree that our world is broken. And I could just name a few uh, recent news events, right, all the political tension in our country, um, you know, there's, uh, is anybody watching this trial that just got done on, on, uh, on, the, on the news, Derek Brooks, the man who drove his car into a parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, last Christmas, and you look at that, uh, he drove his car and, and he killed um, six people, and, and you look at that and you say, how, how is the world this broken? Do you have an explanation? Because so many people don't have an explanation for that. They, they say, oh, it's out there. Oh, what's wrong in the world? Oh, it's something. We don't know. It's, it's out in the ether. There's, there's something horribly wrong with the world, but we don't know. Well, the Bible will say that the problem with the world is sin. That's the problem with the world. It's sin. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not if you know that verse. All have fallen short of the glory of God, all have sinned, all have offended God, but God still loves the world. That's why this verse 16 is so amazing, because rather than saying God, for God distances himself from the world, right, God doesn't want to be a part of the world, he instead, God loves the world. God loves the world. That is such an amazing thing in that verse that we see um, you know, I gotta, this reminds me um, just of an illustration that I want to read. Um, it's, a, it's just an example of God continuing to use this verse in today. Some of you know the football player Tim Tebow. Um, in 2009, he led the Florida Gators to a, a, a national championship, and he wrote in his eye black, John 3.16. Anybody saw that game or remember that game? When, so this, he's a football player on a national stage, and he wrote John 3.16 across his face. And um, after the game, he was told that 90 million people Googled that verse because he wore that on his, on his face. And so amazing, and, and um, he said, 
he said, honestly, my first thought was, how do 94 million people not know John 3.16? But Tebow said, I was so humbled by how big the God we serve. But um, that's not where the story ends. Because fast forward three years to 2012, Tim Tebow played for the Denver Broncos. And he was playing the Steelers in the playoffs. And he decided to do it again. Where that? Where John 3.16? And uh, now I'm reading. It says his head of public relations stopped him in his tracks. He says, hey, Timmy, do you realize what happened? He's like, yeah, we just beat the Steelers. We're going to play in the Patriots. He's like, no, do you realize what happened? He said, yeah. He said, it's exactly three years later from the day you wore John 3.16 under your eyes. And Tim Tebow was like, yeah, that's really cool. He said, no, I don't think you realize what happened. During the game, you threw from 316 yards your yards per completion were 31.6. Your yards per rush were 3.16. The ratings for the night were 31.6. And the time of possession was 31.06. And during the game, 91, pil- 91 million people Googled John 3.16. And it's the number one trending thing on every platform. That's such a cool story. I remember watching that game. Um, and honestly, articles were coming out like, this is creepy. Like all those 31.6... There's no way you could explain that other than God loves the world. He's trying to plaster that verse like, hey, if there's, I want you to know on national TV that God's love for the world is still going. It's still beating. And uh, Tim Tebow was just humbled uh, to be used in that way. I just, I I couldn't help but bring that um, to mind. But the verse continues here. Because God um, doesn't just love the world, the world um, in talk. He doesn't just love the wor- world through words. But point number two is um, it, God's love is proved through action. It's proved through his action. Authentic love is validated by action. Um, 1 John 3.18. Some of you have heard of this verse. Um, it's a command of Christians that we are not to love in uh, word or talk, but we're to love in deed and truth. Anybody uh, know that verse? But basically what it's saying is, hey, don't be someone who just says, like, oh, I love you, but then, like, walks away and doesn't actually prove or show or do anything or demonstrate that you love someone. Love someone in deed or in truth. And I love that God takes his own advice here. Because God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. God gave his only son. God was not content to love in word only, but he was moved to action. That's how much God loves the world. Authentic love is validated by action. There was a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, and he grew up in Nazi Germany. He was born in, in Poland in 1906, and he was an influential pastor. Um, and uh, when World War II was breaking out, Bonhoeffer's friends urged him to leave. Because they were like, don't stay, the Nazis are taking over. And so he, he listened to them and he came to New York prior to the outbreak of World War II. But as Bonhoeffer walked around the streets of the city, he was convicted that he had refused the call of God to fight the Nazis from within Germany. So here's this man who fled Germany with his friends. He's a young, educated pastor, feeling the call, like, I can't be in New York. I have to be home. I have to go back. I have to fight the Nazis. 
And he said, he knew what that call meant. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And this is what he came to on the streets of New York. So Bonhoeffer boarded a ship and sailed back toward his homeland in his dream. Now Bonhoeffer, he, he fought the Nazis, but he, he was eventually arrested. He was jailed and he was executed by the Nazi regime. And I bring that up because most of his friends loved their country, right? They loved Germany. But they didn't love the country enough to do something, to fight back. They didn't love the country enough so that it would move them to action. But Bonhoeffer's love for God and his countrymen was validated by his action. He had to go back. He had to see it through. And the same is true with God here in this verse. God saw the world and was moved to action. He didn't stand by. He didn't wait. He didn't stay idle. He didn't stop. He didn't retreat. He gave his only son so that the world would live. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And point number three, at a high cost. Let's not forget what God gave. What did God give? He didn't give some cheap gift. He gave his precious son. What a valuable gift. I ask you, what more could God have given? What's more precious than a father's son or daughter? A child. What's more precious to God? What could top that gift? What more could God give? And that Peter picks up this theme in, in chapter 1 um, of his epistle and he says, It was not perishable things like gold or silver that you were redeemed by, Christian. I don't know where gold or silver is on your value chain, but I think that's pretty high. Right? But here, Peter is saying it wasn't perishable things like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ that you were redeemed. You were redeemed at a high cost, Christian. You were not redeemed with the perishable nature of, blood, of, of gold and silver. You were redeemed with the blood of Christ. Does that move you? Do you see the love of God for you, Christian? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, now in verse 17, we find the purpose of Jesus. Why did Jesus come? What was his mission? It says here that Jesus came for the purpose of salvation, not condemnation. I love that. That's, there's so much hope in that. Jesus' main purpose when he stepped out into the world, <laughs> it wasn't quite like that, was salvation. He did not come to condemn. Why? Because it says the world was condemned already. Did you know that? That all of us, all of us are in the world. And some of us have been called out of the world. We're saved. But we're, we all were once condemned already. Because that's how we start life. We all start out life condemned. Separated from God. And so Jesus came not to condemn because we were already condemned. 
we were already in sin. We had already offended a holy God. Jesus came, verse 17, so that the world might be saved through him. For the purpose of salvation. That's my fourth point. Jesus came for the purpose of salvation. And so now we see in verse 18 through 21 that the world is divided into two categories. Two categories, light and dark. Verse 18, for whoever believes in him is not condemned. And then skip down to verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. That's the light. So the world is divided into the light and then also the dark. Verse 18. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because this is the judgment. Because, sorry. um, Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the Son of God. In the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment in the name. Man, I cannot read. And this is, I'm sorry. (laughs) And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light because lest his works should be exposed. So the world's divided into two groups. And even in here tonight, this group is divided into two groups, light and dark. What do you mean? The world's divided into two groups? Yeah. Because all of us at one time were condemned, right? We're all in sin. We all were condemned. But God saved some of us out and took us to the light. So how do I know? How do I know if I'm in the light Well, it says, whoever does what is true comes to the light. That's a mark of someone in the light. They're honest about their sin. They come to the light. They're not trying to hide their sin, right? Um, Because when I was condemned still, when I was in the world, I was an expert at hiding my sin. I didn't want anybody to know. But when I came to the light, when I met Christ, I came to the light, and I, I wanted to be clearly seen. I didn't hide my sin anymore because I knew I was forgiven. But it says also that the world is also the darkness. And this is the judgment that people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Some of us in here are still in darkness. And I don't, I don't, I hate that I can even say that without a tear in my eye. There are some people in this room that are still in darkness. That still are walking the way of the world. And the good news of Jesus is being preached. John 3.16 is being read. That the incredible love of God is stretching out to you and you are rejecting him. Maybe not in hostility. You're not hostile about it, but you're rejecting him. By the way that you live. You're like, well, I'm not rejecting him. You are rejecting him because you're, friend, you're remaining friends with the world. James 4.4 4 says that if you want to make friends with the world, you're an enemy with, uh, with God. You're an enemy of God. And so some of you are still in the darkness. And this sermon, let this sermon be a stake in the ground of your life. Let it be a turning point. You can't walk any farther without you having to make a decision. 
God's love is extended to you through his son. God gave his only son, the most precious gift, so that you could be saved. And so you have a decision before you. And I want to pose this question to you today. If you died today, if you were to pass away today, where would you go? Where would you go if you were to die today? It's a sobering question. Luke, why are you trying? Why are you? This is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be 20s. We're supposed to be lighthearted here. No. It can't be lighthearted when some are, don't know the error of their way. Don't know they're still in darkness. And I really believe that God has put this verse on our agenda, on my heart, in our schedule tonight. Because some of you need to make a decision in your life. Some of you have come to this crossroads. Some of you are still in darkness. You don't know where you are going to end up if you die today. So what, what should you do? The Bible calls you to repent and believe. Repent and believe. Acts 3.19 says, repent and turn back. Turn back. Um, that word repent is the Greek word metanoia. And it's a military term, and it literally means that you're marching this way, and they would say metanoia. And they would do an about face and a 180, and they would go the other way. That's what repentance means, to turn away from your sin, to go the other way, to be, to be willing to leave it all behind. And I know some of you in here are not there yet because you're not willing to give up your sin. You're not willing to turn away from it. But hear me, I'm pleading with you. To hear me. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. I just continue with that verse in Acts 3. It says, repent and turn back that your sins would be erased. Right? Because that's the problem. That's your main problem. It's not that your depression is, is hard or, or that your family life is difficult. No, the biggest thing, those are all hard issues. Those are all difficult things. But that's not your biggest issue. Your biggest problem is that you have offended a holy God. Your sin. Sin, literally, the word is hamartia. It's, it's to miss the mark. It's that, that you in your life has fallen short of God's standard. That's your biggest problem. And, and so when you repent and you turn back, your sins can be erased. That's the good news of the gospel. That your sins can be forgiven. And I love the rest of this verse. Uh, Turn back that your sins would be erased, that times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. Anybody need times of refreshing? Man, I need a cool drink of water. I've been drinking the evil of sin. I've been going after my own way for so long. Well, I have good news for you. Turn back that times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. Turn back. God's incredible love is directed towards you today. It's always been. God loves the world so much that he sent his only son. What more could he have given you? Don't reject him. Don't reject him. Because there is a judgment coming. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is death. Right? Your sin's a problem because 
what it pays is debt. The wages, the direct deposit, right? Every week you get a check, direct deposit in your account because you worked some hours. The direct deposit of sin, if you do sin, is death. That's what Romans 6.23 is saying. For the wages of sin is death. It's not going to go well for you if you are not in Christ. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. That's the good news of that verse. That yes, judgment is coming and it will come. But the good news is God is extending a free gift. It's eternal life in Christ. And that's, that's the beauty of John 3.16, that you don't have to perish. You can have eternal life. Again, if you were to die today, where would you go? What would happen to your soul? Number one, there's two deaths, right? Your body would go in the ground, it would disintegrate. But the second death, it's spiritual death, judgment. You will be judged one day. You can't just do what you want in your life. You're going to be accountable someday. You're accountable to God who created you, who made you. You can't just do what you want in life. You'll be accountable someday. So don't, um, so today, Psalm 95, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. God's love is directed at you today. God's love is for you. God loves the world. He loves the world so much that he's using football players and he's using preachers all around the world preaching this message. And it's being extended to you today. Don't reject it. If you're a Christian in this room today, don't let this message fall on deaf ears. Don't let this message harden your heart. If this message is not... your heart's not tender toward this message, I would go home tonight, pray. Ask the Lord why it, why it doesn't move you to tears anymore. I had a pastor in college who said this to me. He said, um, if the good news is, is old news, it's bad news for you. Which means that if the gospel becomes rote and repetitive and old news, it's just old news, that's not good. That's a, indicative of your heart. So Christian, remember the love that you've been given. Christ did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. And if you don't know Christ in here today, do not reject his love being extended to you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, you love the world. Not with a cheap love, not with an affirming love. No, you love the world too much for that. Lord, you love the world with a redeeming love. Lord, because a love that just affirms isn't love at all. A love that just coddles and says, oh, that's great. Lord, that's not love. That's not hard. That's not sacrifice. But Lord, you sacrificed for us. Agapao. Lord, you truly loved us because you saw us in our broken state, in our sin, and purposed in your heart to give us the greatest gift that you had to give. There was no greater gift that you could have given. It was your son. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as, as, I'm, as I'm praying right now, Lord, that you would not let 
certain people in this room, they know they need to hear this message. They know they need to make a decision. They know they're in the darkness. They're hiding their sin, and they cannot get out. Lord, I pray that they would not be able to sleep tonight. Lord, because your gospel is such good news, do not let them run away from it. Oh, Lord. I pray that this ministry would be uh, saturated with your gospel, Lord, that even us Christians would be reminded again of how much you love us. Lord, how it's always coming after us. If the hounds of heaven, your goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our life. Lord, do not let us grow hard-hearted to the gospel. Do not let it ever become old news. Lord, let it become good news and great news of great joy. Lord, let it be the rhythm of our life to press in to the love of God. Let it be the rhythm of our life to drink in the, the sweetness of who you are, of, who, of your love every day. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.